And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello, I'm David Mooney and I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. How are things? Uh, yeah, well, I said I was looking forward to April and... Here we are. We're, <laughs> I was looking forward to this podcast because it'll be after Leicester and whatever that brings, and looking forward to Dortmund and Leicester went pretty well, didn't it for City? Yeah. So, well, uh, well, here we are. Let's um, rock. Let's rock. Uh, you're listening to the Athletics Why Always Us podcast, all about Manchester City. Right now, you can subscribe to the Athletic for a special price of three pounds ninety nine a month for six months. That's forty percent off the full price of a subscription, and you'll enjoy great analysis and in depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad free versions of all the podcasts. To. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review as well. Um, Sam, you said uh, the, the Leicester game was uh, was going particularly well. Um, it was it, it was one of those kind of it was almost like a half hurdle that City needed to clear because they obviously know that the, the Premier League is is probably done and dusted at this stage. It's you know it, it would be an almighty collapse if it didn't go um, didn't go the way they were expecting. Yeah. And yet the performance was so dominant in that that especially that first half. There was a spell where where you know the, the possession stats for the last five minutes were City one hundred percent, Leicester zero. Yeah. Um... There was, there was, so obviously we were lucky enough to be at the Leicester game yesterday, which isn't always the case with the away games. But I was glad to be able at this one, to be able to be at this one. Oh, they had they had a little like, lounge with hot drinks and stuff, and I walked in, and a couple of of my colleagues, the, the yeah, the ones I'm friendly with, they looked, they turned around and looked at me, and they just went. He said it was good. I was like, it was good. Like, well, I was like, what's wrong? What was wrong with that for a half from City? Like, Leicester aren't mugs. Like, look at what Leicester did at the Etihad and obviously Leicester didn't do much in the first half at the Etihad but like there's a there's there's a certain way you've got to play against Leicester you can't be and this is going to be the same for Tuesday night I think Guardiola talked about patience after the game against Leicester and he talked about how in the game at the Etihad when they went 1-0 up they were you know he talked about this a lot but you know they were rushing they were trying to get forward and create score more chances but obviously the more they pushed the more spaces they left and obviously Leicester exploited those spaces so it's going to be the same against Dortmund I think it'll be a quite a patient game um, but that's how they had to do it um, against Leicester this time and without even pushing and pushing for goals they created good chances um, like I think I tweeted just before half time you know a goal would really cap a, a really good impressive first half like I say there was that period of a five minutes where it was 100% possession and yeah, it was it was just a, a perfect job. And I've not even mentioned yet the amount of changes. They're bringing in players. And I, I wrote an article after after the, the Everton away game in the league when Laporte came back in and Walker came back in and didn't do particularly well. But it was the first time they played in like a difficult game. You know, they played Sheffield United at home or whatever, you know. Yeah. The game where you what where you we would expect changes. But they played then and they didn't they didn't do brilliantly. And people were kind of like, oh, what's, what's all this about? It disrupts the rhythm of the team. 
but I was kind of trying to make the point that these guys are going to have to come in and they're going to have to get back up to speed so Guardiola can keep changing things. And that's now the kind of level they're at. I thought Laporte was great. He was up there with De Bruyne. He was um, City's best player, I thought. Um, and just the way that he's managed that squad and rested the players who played the most over the international break, apart from Diaz, because Diaz is just an incredible athlete <laughs> by the seams of it. Bionic um, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, just picked... And I know Guardiola says you all you only, you only give me credit for rotating because we're winning, and when we lose, you'll say we made too many changes. But it just seemed like that was the right balance between making sensible decisions, but actually a good performance with it. Because you know, against West Ham and Fulham, they weren't great. They made loads of changes, and as you might expect, they weren't great. Yes, yeah. they made loads of changes, and they were great. I thought so. And after the international break, and Leicester didn't have too many players in the internationals, and I think Rodgers were talking in the build-up about how that's an advantage for them—not an advantage, but it's a good thing for them generally, because um, obviously they didn't have players being really tired or whatever. So it, it was just all things considered, a fantastic performance. Uh, the other thing that we we didn't even mention there, Sam, as well, is uh, it, it seems weird because like that the whole discourse around Aguero for the end of the season now has changed entirely with the knowledge that that he's going to be leaving. Um, and I thought he was playing really well when he when he came into this side. It was all, like it, it was almost as if to say, well, maybe I'm not quite finished yet for this season. Uh, well. I mean, beforehand, when he played, when he when he was starting, I think the default reaction, certainly among, you know, as in as in the the press box and the lads I speak to, it was, it like, like it was just like Aguero is definitely scoring, isn't he? And it's like it's going to be afterwards. It's uh, you know, is it the wrong decision to let him go? And you know, is Pep kind of making a rod for his own back here? Because if Aguero scores twice then um, you know he's going to look stupid just because you know based on the one game and that's just how football works. But then, like at half time, I was actually thinking maybe Guardiola's picked him to to show that he, he he's not playing very well at the moment. But um, yeah, I, I didn't think Aguero did particularly well. Uh, I didn't think Mendy played well in the first half either. Obviously, he scored the goal. Um, but when Aguero went off, it was just yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm not saying Aguero is finished, but um, in terms of just the the ninety minutes, uh, yeah, um, it it wasn't it wasn't great. I thought um, I'm I'm still sure that he will chip in with some goals and you know hopefully from his and city's point of view some important goals before the end of the season but um i don't know i wouldn't say yesterday was was an especially promising angle on that no i disagree i thought he was i I thought he looked a lot sharper than he's looked a lot recently yeah jack was saying that on the way out um and i I saw a couple of people said it and um one of the god one of the analysts uh at a, a national team relevant to Aguero uh, messaged me saying what did you think and I was like I didn't think he was good so I thought his his touch was off and he did, couldn't get involved enough I was like he did he did well once there was one good layoff pass when the ball went wide to Jesus uh, and Jesus kind of fluffed the cross and didn't give it back to Aguero and if it, the cross had been um, better I think Aguero would have had a tap in it would have been really good but I genuinely think that was certainly in the first half that was the only that was the only good thing he did I didn't think he looked that sharp at all uh, just the, the the little passes didn't seem to be there, and he and he wasn't that involved. Obviously, it's difficult against the deep less defence, but he didn't he didn't seem that sharp to me. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, I mean, let's. Oh, and, and then the analyst agreed. Actually, so. I'll oh, fair that. enough. Uh, maybe maybe <laughs> maybe it's me. Maybe it's my uh, my uh, blue bias. No, like, hat you're not, on. You're, I far, don't know. you're far from the only one. Um, you're far from the only one. Uh, but let's let's just have a quick look at that decision, uh, the announcement of that decision uh, in the week, Sam, uh, because it's. 
I mean, it's probably never a good time to say goodbye to Aguero after everything he's done at City. There's, there's, there's never ever going to be a point where you go right. It's, it's okay. It's, it's going to feel all right at this time. Um, no, but I guess and definitely not now. Yeah, but I, I kind of guess this season might actually be the best of a bad bunch. Like, like he's struggled with oh. injuries. Had the, he's had COVID over Christmas as well. There's a lot less influence on the pitch because I mean, effectively, they've won this title without him. Um, but he's going to leave in a season where they win the title. I suppose. I hadn't really thought of it like that. I mean, the main the main angle on that that I was thinking was, obviously, there's not been fans around to, to do it properly. And like, it's difficult to choose between Aguero and Silva in terms of, you know, biggest legend or most loved or whatever, because I just think it's absolutely impossible. Um, I mean, yeah, you make you make good points there. I mean, I've, I think the, probably the... Obviously, you can't generalise the City fan base because I've seen enough rows between City fans to know that there's not one <laughs> dominant opinion. But um, I think the the consensus has been the fans obviously would like him to stay for another year. I mean, God, especially after Guardiola said on Friday they might not sign a striker. Um, people, you know, and I was speaking to people and they, they were like, you know, even even a half fit Aguero is going to get 15 goals next season. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's true to be honest. Um, but I, I just I, I firmly understand that I would say most City fans would like him to stay. Um, but I, yeah, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. In the sense that he'll go out on a I don't know he'll go out on a high in terms of the team. I guess he's not had a good season though. Has he? It's it's been a but, um, it, it, yeah. it's been such a hampered season with the I mean that knee injury that that yeah exactly. Like he's he's not had a good season, but it's not like a, God he's crap. Get rid of him. It's yeah. a feel sorry for him kind of season. Yeah, exactly that. I, I, th- I think the, the, the interesting kind of angle of it all is there is there's there's kind of two very distinct camps in this, isn't there? There's the it's a good oh, footballing right, decision camp oh, where okay. you say, well, <laughs> uh, you know, for the for the for the first team, they need to they need to build for the future at this point. He's clearly you know struggling with his injuries. He's not had the influence that you want. Uh, but then there's the emotional fan side where it's kind of like this this guy has scored more goals for this club than anybody else has in the club's history. You can't just you can't just wave him goodbye. He he needs to leave at the point where where he definitely isn't going to have any influence whatsoever and it's kind of like those two two feelings are at odds for me right now because I I can get on board with the idea of it being a very good footballing decision and the right time and everything like that but ultimately I still don't want to see a City side that doesn't feature Sergio Aguero right now. No but also in terms of those two camps and you know when when it should be and how it should be done like at the end of the day it doesn't it doesn't matter it, um, it doesn't like at the end of the day, the most important thing is you, you're going to be upset because one of your favourite players of all time is gone. Yeah. And I think the proof of that, to an extent, was Silver did it on his own terms, and everyone knew it was coming for ages, and it didn't make it any better. And obviously, you had the element then of no fans in the stadium, and oh god, and the last game being I almost don't want to mention it. It just feels like <laughs> it shouldn't have happened. But what did he get? Ten minutes against Leon, yeah, which was just an. Like, relatively an awful way to go um but uh, yeah it's it is difficult there's kind of an an emotional side and a business side and the business element is probably tied to the fitness and the sharpness and you know some people i think you know michael richards has been quite vocal on it saying oh he hasn't he hasn't played much this season it's like i don't think you're making the point you think you're making like he's not played because he can't yeah he's not been able to um it's not because he's been treated unfairly I, i don't think anyway so I mean, and also like it's it almost seems too crude to split it between emotional and business. Like, I think I, just, I suppose there's I suppose the issue is there's just, there isn't 
a room for it to be both, is there? Yeah. Like and like I say, and the strength of feeling with Aguero. But also, to be fair, the side of it where didn't Caldoon say last summer, you know, Aguero can choose when he wants to leave? And obviously, uh, it, it actually transpired that he was told um, last Monday that yeah, he was no, going. No contract so, is going to be offered, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, I'm sure we'll, 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 we'll go on to what comes next in the Haaland. The Haaland chat. But, and when you said there's two camps, and I laughed and said very much so, um, there's... There's a little bit of an interesting situation going on, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to go into it too much. Not least because somebody sent, some, one of my editors sent me a message on Friday saying, "What's all this about um, Aguero possibly going to Chelsea?" And I sent him back a voice note on WhatsApp, and it went up to six minutes. So I'll try and avoid that. Well, I, so I, I was going to my next, my very next question was actually, how likely do you think it is that he stays in the Premier League? Not for so. me, not, not for me. But I mean, look, I part of it is. And like this is kind of still something I'm working on, so I don't want to go too far, and also I don't want to get aggregated to to pieces. Um, I like from what I've heard, he's not going to like he's not going to go to another Premier League team. Um, partly because he doesn't want to, um, but then so obviously he was on the back page of the the Mail on Friday, which is quite a statement to make as in in terms of confidence in a story. Um, and there were the stories a couple of weeks ago, weren't they, before this was um, announced officially that Aguero was open to playing in the Premier League. And I was like, I wonder if this is his, you know, his people pushing this. And I, I sent a message on Friday morning about this, kind of along the lines of, surely not, surely he's not going to Chelsea. And the noise is coming out of the Aguero camp and... This is going to be on all the aggregators, and I can't be asked. But <laughs> I'm just, they're not happy, and they're making it out that it's not City's decision; it's Pep's, and that um, Aguero's pissed off. And um, how should I put it? So basically, it, yeah, it it wasn't his decision; it wasn't City's decision; it was Guardiola's decision. All moves are on the table even when i was like yeah but surely not premier league club look they were like all moves are on the table he w- and the word they used was he wouldn't be betraying anyone if he went to a premier league club and i'm like i'm, f- I'm not having this and i'm like I'm, I'm, i don't believe this at all um but it does make me think why like who's, who's this suiting to to have this out there and yeah. the message and i hope this doesn't get aggregated because it's not going to come across in the context at all but like the message was we, we've seen a lot written over the last few days. Um, and this is the truth. And I'm, look, maybe it is. Or maybe it is the truth. Maybe it is the truth. But I find it difficult to believe that it is, from what I've heard anyway. Um, because I think, you know, as far as I know, it wasn't sprung on Aguero. Who's, he'd been expecting this since January. I only heard that in start of March. And was it a podcast a couple of weeks ago where I said, I think he's likely to leave in the summer. So I'd kind of got to that stage of thinking he's going to go here. Um, so I don't think, I don't think it was a surprise to him that, that like he's being made out now. Um, the other side of it is even taking out what I've heard and well, maybe this, maybe that like, let's just strip this down to a conversation that any city fan could have or any, any fan of a Premier League club could have anywhere. Aguero's not going to go to another Premier League club, surely. 
like strip out all the inside knowledge and all these whispers and everything I've just talked about. Like, surely not. Like, he's not stupid. Like, he's getting a statue. City won't want. I know it's not really City's decision, but City won't want him going to another English club. I don't. I really don't think he wants. I mean, look, I could look stupid now if he does, but this is just this is just me kind of shooting my mouth off the same as any of us could. Like, really? I just I just don't think he would do it. I just don't think he would do it. And, and I would like to think of most City fans, obviously the fear might be there, but I'm sure City fans think the same. Like, surely not. Mm. Like when, like <laughs> it was like, suggest, like jokingly <laughs> suggested that he'd go to United away. It was like, he just literally wouldn't go to United. But like, yeah. for the same reason, like if Aguero cares that much about City over 10 years to hate United, like all, you know, legend players do, then he's not going to go to Chelsea. You know, what's the difference? Yeah, he wouldn't rock up. It wouldn't rock up. If he's not going to rock up Old Trafford, he wouldn't rock up at Anfield or, or, or yeah. Stamford Bridge. I, I, I don't know. Chelsea's a bit different though, isn't it? It's, a little bit, but I, I, don't, I don't think so. I'm just, I it's, so. it's just in the back of my mind that I'm a bit nervous about it. That's all. I'm um, sure I can fully understand people being nervous about it. That's emotion, isn't it? And it's kind of where everyone thinks worst case scenario in football. Like, God, I really don't want that to happen. So maybe it will. But yeah. I, I look, maybe it's easy for me to say, surely not. But like, I'm not sitting here and saying with certainly that he's not going to be. It's like, surely, like, surely. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. Well, uh, speaking of worst case scenario, Sam, uh, the question obviously following Aguero's departure is uh, that does it make it more likely that they then spend big on a striker this summer? And this was Guardiola's reaction to that idea in uh, Friday's pre-match press conference. I want to be clear. There is maybe, maybe we're going to find a new player to replace Sergio. Like I said, in terms of numbers, it's almost impossible, but can be possible be replaced. But in terms of... uh, what he means for this club, it's impossible. So maybe, but there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of big, big chances. Maybe we're not going to sign a striker for the next season. So you think there's a good chance that you will promote somebody from within or there is somebody that is ready to, to fill those shoes? We have enough players in the first team right now and we have an interesting players in the academy. So there is a big chance for the situation in the world uh, economic uh, problems in the world football, we are not going to sign any striker for the next season. Now, let's be honest, Sam. City striking options next season are surely not going to be Gabriel Jesus and Liam Delap, are they? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing I should say before we pick that apart is if I'd been a bit more switched on and not thought of it four hours later, my question should have been, okay, because you obviously talked about it a lot more than that clip as well. You know, he gave three or four different answers and it was all... In fact, it kind of got more and more pessimistic on it the more and more he talked about it. Um, but, I mean, I sh- what I should have asked was why why is Aguero going then? Because we've all heard the nice words in about him being irreplaceable. But why is he going? And if you don't think you can get a striker and it's so difficult, would he not be worth keeping around? That's what I should have asked. That's what everybody wants to know, isn't it? But um, we don't know that. Aguero is going unless there's a turnaround now, and yeah, we need to we need to work out what's um, what's behind it, what's the motives behind it. I I haven't really made my mind up. I'm kind of leaning towards he's telling the truth. Um, but if he's telling the truth, then I think it's because something's changed. I don't think it's because that's been their stance for the last three months. I think something might have changed. If that's true. There's kind of several options from what he said there, isn't there? There's there's, there's the option Loads. either that that he is telling the truth and that's just the situation. There's the option that you know he's he's saying to 
potentially Haaland and Dortmund. Look, you, this this isn't the, the, this isn't a thing that you can do going around because I mean there's there's been a big circus around Haaland this this week about uh, about Alfie Haaland and uh, Mino Raiola being in Barcelona yeah, and, it was and the day like, after that circus, wasn't yeah. It? Um, so there's there's the potential for a message there. There's there's just so much, so many different options it could be. I mean, it's your, your gut feeling that it is that that something has Not changed. Good. Not good. I'm trying to piece things together. So obviously in the same way that, you know, you try and work out what's going on with Aguero. Because I was, I was spending Friday already. I was writing about Sancho, an article about him at Time at City, this usual, you know, article. I was trying to get to the bottom of this Aguero situation and having these conversations. And then Guardiola came up with this. And I was like, so I was trying to piece together what I'd heard and what, I'm, what, I, could, what I could on Friday. And I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that, that you know, and this is... You know, top sort, top sources. You know, not the not the kind of things I've been hearing about Aguero, where it's like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. Let's have to see. Our top sources been saying striker is the main priority, and I think, I mean, obviously, the fact that they know the situation is probably goes to show they've been looking around at least. And obviously, meetings with or conversations with Alfie Harland, meeting with Alfie Harland about about his future and stuff. So, I, and again, obviously, letting Aguero go. There's one situation where they let Aguero go and don't buy a striker, and that's because they don't buy a striker because it's too expensive, or they try and fail. And also because, completely separate to that, they genuinely don't believe Aguero can do another season. So they're not, you know, it's not just, and okay, we're letting Aguero aren't linked. go. Yeah, yeah exactly. That there, there is That is within the realms of possibility that those aren't linked. You know, everyone's kind of thinking since they announced Aguero going that, oh, City must have a a replacement lined up. I know that was a very popular kind of um, theory throughout last week. But, you know, it might just be because... And, and why wouldn't it be? I think we said before about Aguero, and I think I've even mentioned in terms of like Barcelona and PSG, I was like, well, if Barcelona and PSG are looking at him, um, but he leaves City, then presumably he's leaving City because they don't think he's you know, his knee can handle it or whatever. So why would other top clubs want to make that kind of investment? So it was always an interesting one in that sense. But yeah, um, they might not be links. Um, but then it's yeah, it's just going back to they obviously need a striker. I mean, Guardiola's kind of said as much, and like he knows, like Gabriel Jesus is playing well at the moment. But he always you know, talk whenever like he talks about kind of anything to do with the team. It's we haven't got a player who can score loads of goals, so you know it's collective. And you know Gundogan's scoring a lot of goals, but it can't. I'm sure he's kind of alluded to the fact that that can't go on forever. Like he knows, and he's kind of admitted as much publicly that that they do need a striker. They need to be more clinical. He's, he's said already that, you know, he, he actually said himself, maybe it'll cost us in the Champions League. Not having a, not having a, you know, a, either Aguero fit or somebody who can put the ball in the net like Aguero. So, I mean, they just are. They just definitely are looking at ways to fix that for next season. But I mean, have they, you know, did they think they were getting Haaland until a week ago? And then they thought, oh God, Real is up to his old tricks. We cannot be asked for this. And you know what City are like? They're kind of, uh, annoyingly principled at times in terms of you know spending money and well we we don't value him at this and i and the problem with harland would be like just letting him go somewhere else and him having the impact that van dyke had at liverpool like signing Laporte instead of van dyke is fine but look what happened with van dyke going to liverpool if city had bought van dyke then you wouldn't have to you might not have had to worry about liverpool winning the title next season or the champions league and that was for what 12 million I'd, maybe a bit more but you can't afford 12 million lads and it's like and fine if it's more than 150 million and like 
a shitload of agent fees, then it does. You know, it's it's it makes more sense for City to say, well, we we can't do that. But um, it's, I don't know. Well, but if, this is this is the, the 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 thing about that circus that I wanted to ask. That uh, does does that. Is well, that, that didn't off, add up. It, anyway. What I was going to say is that off-putting for City. Yeah, because I, I, I was I was working in London and driving a lot on Thursday, so I didn't see a lot of Twitter. And every time I logged on, fucking real or somewhere else, I was like, "What's going on?" Like genuinely, what is going on? Um, but then, like that didn't that that didn't strike me as the kind of thing that City would like at all. And obviously, that's that's one of the theories behind what Guardiola said. You know, are they playing their own game? And you know, maybe they're just calling their bluff. Because to tie this back to what I didn't feel was right about that was like Barca, how are they affording that? But this whole talk about oh, he's going to fly to London soon and speak to four English clubs, I was like, well, who are they? And how long are those conversations going to last? Like Liverpool aren't going to say, well, what are Liverpool going to say? Oh yeah, we'll pay you 150. Like there's Liverpool couldn't afford it. They wouldn't pay that money. They haven't got it. I'm sure United probably could, but I'm sure they're not going to. And the, the the noise is coming out of United recently is that they can't do it anyway. And the noise is coming out of Chelsea is that City's in the driving seat. So it's like, who's he having these conversations with? And like, and how did they know? How did the reporters know to be at the airport in Barcelona that he was gonna that he was gonna turn up? It all seemed very coordinated to me. And but then I thought maybe this is this is City saying calling their bluff to an extent because if those clubs I've just mentioned are out of it because you know Barca can't afford him United aren't I, I don't know United and Chelsea think City are leading the way or whatever maybe City know that Dortmund want to sell this summer and have to sell this summer because maybe they don't get in the Champions League and they would obviously like more than the buyout clause and maybe they know that Rayola wants his his payday and only City can give it to them but they're saying well we're not going to you know this isn't an auction lads there's only a few clubs who can actually afford it. And we're one of them, but we ain't going to pay 150. We'll pay what we think. So maybe there's that. Or maybe they've said forget it because they don't like it. And as simple as that. I mentioned months ago how, you know, dealing with Rayola wouldn't be an issue, partly because Alfie was doing a lot of the transfer anyway, but partly because they had a big falling out with De Laurentiis at Napoli, but they still went back for Koulibaly. But then obviously it didn't go well. With with Napoli the second time either, and there was no guarantee that it would actually go well, even though winning to deal with Rayola. So, yeah, that's certainly part of it. Where you know maybe they're setting expectations and and being part of the game, or maybe they maybe they don't like it. Um, I mean, even on the bigger picture, yeah. there's there's the idea that I mean, say it all goes through this summer. Say the perfect situation happens and City manage to bring in um, uh, Erling Haaland as, as as their striking option, they get a five year contract. Three and a half years down the line, is Rayola going to be flogging him around Europe again? Possibly. Um, and I was just talking about Dortmund to a, a Dortmund reporter. And he said, I, I don't think this was the exact stat because I'm sure there's others. But the point he was making was that Haaland's had the fewest touches. He was he said he's had the fewest touches of anybody in the Bundesliga. I've not had a chance to check it. I mean, that can't be right. And it must be over a certain amount of games. Or maybe it's about strikers or maybe it's relative to goals or whatever. But basically, it's the fewest touches versus most goals. And there's an element of... Would he fit in at City? But basically, all you're doing there is you're asking a 20 year old player to get more involved in the game, which is what they did with Aguero, and it worked, and he carried on scoring. So I don't yeah. think that's an issue. But I think yeah, the the bigger the bigger worry would be in yeah two or three years that the that Rayola is trying to engineer something for whoever's got money at the time. Um, but yeah, that's that is an issue. Um, but I don't think you know, just from 
just from what's been floating around about City and Haaland, I don't think that was ever something that really bothered them recently. That's what I mean. If if they are out of it now, and if Guardiola was telling the, the truth on, on Friday in the sense that it's probably not going to happen rather than just managing expectations, then it would be, I think, because something changed. But um, I'm, also, I'm also kind of loath to, to second-guess it too much because I remember in the January when City were trying to get Alexis Sanchez, having come so close in the summer, obviously, and then United were on the scene. And then within a couple of days, it wasn't Guardiola on the record, but it was City um, kind of giving out a bit of an information and, you know, we're not going to pay any more money than this. And I remember kind of doing a video trying to analyse it. And I was like, well, they, you know, they might still be in the box seat here. And they're just trying to tell his agent that, you know, if you really want to come to City, then you have to, you have to just, you know, accept the offer and, and reject United. But obviously what happened in the end was he did go to United and it was as simple as that. City were out of it. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to, you know, just for my own logic on this, I don't want to um, try and pick it apart too much. Well, I don't, I don't want to second guess and, and decide what I've done over the last five minutes is try and, you know, just kind of discuss the possible options. But I, I'm not going to, I'm not in a position, I am not. don't want to be in a position to be steering people towards what's actually going on at the moment. Because yeah. Well, let's, I mean, let's take a hypothetical look as well at, at the at the potential outcome of this summer in that, let's say let's say City don't sign Haaland and, you know, they're, they're unhappy with everything that's gone on. They've pulled out of it. That's it. Game over for that transfer. With Aguero leaving anyway, do they go back and look at you know Mbappe again? Do they come in? Do they go for? Do, do they look at someone like Lukaku? Do they go for a? a Ireland, then. Do, do they go for a big name striker? Well, oh, I think this is the issue because it's not just you know everything that was said, and Guardiola was asked outright. He goes, "Do you mean Haaland? Are you out of the Haaland chase?" And he was like, "I think I was clear with what I said earlier," which ironically is not clear. Like, did you mean him or not? But um, I do think there's an element to it of, well, if it if it's not Haaland, then, okay, yeah, somebody else. But if somebody else is Mbappe, Kane, or Lukaku, then they're going to be just as expensive. Um, either in transfers or wages or both. Um, so, this it comes back to what we think Guardiola was talking about is he saying they're not going to sign a striker because they all cost 100 million plus or massive wages um, if so then it won't be another it won't be Kane as an alternative it won't be Lukaku as an alternative you would guess um, it's interesting I would, this isn't a big up myself kind of thing because I'm surprised, surprised that it, it ended up being worthwhile but I kind of I did a load of data searches on Scout around Christmas to try and find strikers that would suit City and Andre Silva came up, and I've seen he's been linked, and he's got more goals in the Bundesliga now than Haaland has. So it's kind of like, do they get to a stage where they obviously know they need a striker, and they think, well, we're not going to pay this amount of money this summer, and we're not going to pay this amount of money next season. So this is a guy that would work. But then obviously then, whoever that bloke is, if he's not Haaland, he's not Mbappe, and he's not Kane. Everyone's disappointed, yes. Yeah. Well, everyone's disappointed, but also... He's not. He's not only that, but he's also in Aguero's shadow. Because if you bought one of those other guys, they're kind of even though, you know, Haaland and Mbappe are really young, they're their own cult, aren't they? They're their own player. They've got their own standards to live up to. But any other poor sod would have to be Aguero. And as we know, 
didn't have Jesus. Like, yeah, like, uh, Jesus is, you know, he's maturing at his own rate anyway and doing his own thing anyway. But every time he misses a chance, it's because he's not Aguero or, you know, it's it's a difficult shadow to live in. So you wouldn't wish that on anyone, really. But um, I suppose that what you would say about that quickly is people didn't have high hopes for Diaz, did they? And he's been amazing. So, yeah. you know, forward, fast forward to this time next year, if Andre Silva's got 20 Premier League goals for City, then it wouldn't be an issue. But um, it's certainly very, very interesting at the minute. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe maybe a season without a striker in that false nine role would uh, would do. But they, but they've had that this year, so yeah. Well, but this is it, and it's like it it feels like look when he was saying this, it felt like you know judging by Twitter and that that it was a disaster and it was the last thing City needed to not be going into next season with a striker. And like again, I don't believe that they want to be in that position at all. Like that is one thing I would say, whether in terms of steering people towards an outcome, they don't want they don't want to be next season. Like how could they possibly think they'd be stronger next season? Um, and they've not made a decision on Delap yet either. You know, Guardiola was saying he's, he'll train with the team, but like, there's not been a conversation of you were going to go out on loan, but now you're staying because of Guerrero and because of this. So that's not kind of set in stone yet. So it's all still up in the air. Um, and as much as it feels like, yeah, they definitely need a striker. And God knows, you know, even before we knew for certain Aguero was going, I've been saying for ages they need someone who can actually put the ball in the back of the net. And the second goal at Leicester, God, I know they scored it, but lads. Have a shot, please. <laughs> like they need someone who's going to take that shot and score it first time. But having said all of that, like you say, they've not had a grower this season, have they? It's to the extent right. that, yeah, exactly. To the extent that he's not played that much, and they've been brilliant. So, like, like as much as I could really genuinely argue, kind of like I did in the summer about a left back, I still believe they need a left back to replace Mendy. Again, I know he scored, but I don't care. But it's like you can make the argument that it doesn't matter too much. And obviously you need to strengthen when you're on top and you need to keep the train going and not get complacent and all of this. But like, I suppose it's a bit like the De Bruyne debate, isn't it? Are they better with De Bruyne or without? It doesn't matter. They're brilliant with both. Yeah. Both scenarios, fine. So it might be like that. Maybe they don't get a striker, but it might not matter. That kind of brings us as well, Sam, to uh, the the Champions League this week because obviously um, we're talking about the Haaland link. They're going to have to face Haaland with Dortmund. Um, what's your What's your feeling about how difficult this one is? Because it's it, it, is it City's toughest test of the season so far. You know what's really funny? Um, I was so I was just speaking to like a reporter covering uh, Dortmund. And he was saying they spoke to the bosses at Dortmund today, and he mentioned how he and he, and he threw in a quote from Michael Zork. Um, how you know how City are the you know obviously the best team in in England possibly in Europe at the moment etc cetera, etc cetera. you know the usual kind of stuff you would get from directors saying it's going to be a tough game but he was saying like they're really upset at the timing of have to, having to play City uh, because they're obviously not doing well in the league and they might miss out on the Champions League and he was like if they were to lose three or four nil which is kind of what they're expecting then it could ruin their season and they'd, you know, they'll just completely tail off and they won't they won't even get the Champions League. Like it's funny to think because I think in England and around City, we're all thinking Dortmund could easily do the damage to City. You know, maybe City have the ball for 90 minutes, but Haaland just bangs one in from the edge of the box. Or it gets to be like that Monaco game where it's a good win in 90 minutes, but the away goals do for you or something like that. But by all accounts in Germany, they're thinking we're in bloody trouble here. Because obviously they look at City, they've won 26 games out of 27. Yeah. And they don't see all those kind of, you know, Vardy had one counter. Well, he was offside for the goal and then he had the counter attack at the start of the second half. And obviously we overanalyze those things and we think, oh, 
God, you know, if that happens against Dortmund yeah. away. But obviously they just see this ridiculous team that concede about one chance a game. Um, so, no, it, it's interesting. So I would say, yeah, like Dortmund could easily do damage to City. And we've seen what happened with City in the Champions League. And, you know, they if they can get opened up and, you know, Haaland can score out of nowhere and score an away goal or decisions go against them or Sterling and Jesus keep passing to each other, but this time they don't score. You know, there's all those um, kind of scenarios which I think are irrelevant, but just to put a different spin on it straight away, like Dortmund are not very confident about this one at all. Um, Sancho's not playing. Uh, this game, Sam, reminds me. Like you, you said about that Monaco game, and there's there's a really weird and specific lesson I hope Guardiola has learnt from that game back yeah. in in 2017, which was. I don't think he has. Uh, I, I don't know if you. I, I well, think you, I, might, I, I, you may be anticipating you might what I'm saying. Yeah, but go on. Yeah, uh, it's it's that like, they were there was a point in that first leg where Monaco were dead on their feet. And uh, City had obviously, they'd obviously scored the three away goals, and City had just made it five three. There was about four or five minutes left, and he took off. I think he took a, I think he took Aguero off and brought on Fernando as a holding midfielder. And I was like, mate, yeah. why, why are you doing this? Like, literally, you may need some more goals in this tie. Go out there and like, even if it's just one more, just try and like just continue to to push for that because Monaco are dead and I'm just like that's, that's the only oh. time I can see this there potentially being a similarity between any that game and any other time in in world football well that's funny because obviously I said he has learned but no I don't think he's learned I think the opposite you know in terms of bringing on Fernando to close it up like why I mentioned the patience thing earlier on about Leicester is I don't like sit look City might score in the first 10-15 minutes and they right they might really do a job on Dortmund and score a load of goals. And, you know, they might play the game similar to how they did against Gladbach, where they could have had even more than the 2-0 that they got into the lead early on. Um, but I think they are going to be patient. I think not not necessarily like that Spurs away game in the Champions League. But if you listen to how Guardiola was talking about facing Leicester and the problems earlier in the season, and then pushing for goals and leaving spaces and being exploited, they ain't going to be doing that. So... It might be like the. I think City will be aiming for like the first half against Leicester. Yeah, control it. A couple of chances here and there. I just, yeah, I just think that it's going to be a very not so. Yeah, circumspect is the the word I actually used to describe these kind of performances. Just just keep things very close. And look, I might be wrong, but I think everyone's going to go into it expecting a kind of potential for another five three. And look, it might happen, but I think the intention on Guardiola's behalf will be to avoid that at all costs. Yeah. And obviously if that if that means City don't score five, then he'd be happy with that. You know, it it'd take the one or two. One or two nil. Um and it it will be I think it could be a very, very similar game to Leicester away. Um, well, the, but I think times... obviously the problem you've got is like obviously Vardy waits for those chances in behind. But obviously Haaland could just get the ball on the edge of the box and smack it in. Yeah, I mean the, the the times where City have gone out on the away goals in under Guardiola, it's those two, isn't it? It's it's three against Spurs and three against Monaco. So it is. It, I, I guess the element of control is what he'll, what he's uh, what he's going to be after, which um, is what he wanted in that first game against Tottenham a couple of years ago, which everybody hated and everyone yeah. said they should have gone for it. But I I've, I always defended that logic, and again, City missed the penalty. So I always defended that logic because that was the way they'd been going in the Champions League. They were too open. Um, and obviously the way the game was in the second leg was the exact opposite of what they wanted to happen. They had to go for it, but obviously the more... City you know, City scored within two or three minutes, which was the perfect start for them. But obviously for Guardiola, don't forget he didn't bring on De Bruyne and Sane 
in that first leg against Tottenham because he didn't want to send the message to his team that they were going to go for it and they were going to leave therefore more spaces and they'd be and they'd maybe lose 2-0. That was how he was approaching that. So obviously City scoring after two or three minutes in the first leg, sorry, in the second leg, was the perfect response. But that was the problem with the whole game then because City were kind of in, right, we're going for this mode. And obviously there were the mistakes and Spurs were then 2-1 up after what, like 15 minutes or something? Yeah. And it was just mad after that. Um, he doesn't want mad. And obviously, like, he, I think he went too far with Leon. Um but he tried to kill it, didn't he? He didn't want that to happen. He wanted to be closed and, and close the spaces off. And I think now, you know, he trusts the team more. I don't think, famous last words, but I don't think he'll do anything like that, you know, with three at the back and a double pivot and just De Bruyne doing all the creating and stuff. I would like to think it'll be more like, you know, the Gladbach games. But um, yeah, I, they won't be throwing. Like, the question I was asked by the Dortmund report was, you know, will City go all out attack? I was like, absolutely not. I just can't see it. I was like, maybe, maybe they'll score a lot of goals, but they won't be chucking everyone forward. Yeah. Um, well, here's the question. Um, obviously, there was the international break. There was a lot of time. We talked about Guardiola's uh, potential for overthinking the game. Is that is that the big myth of this season? That that actually he's, he's a lot more... Uh, he's not in his own head as much this season. Um, I don't know. Because the thing is, with this whole overthinking narrative is, as I've always said, nobody's asked about if he's overthinking, if he's winning. And how many of the 26 games out of 27 could we possibly look at and say, oh, we overthought that. But if we were applying the same logic to like the Champions League games or something, and it, it, it actually does tie into what Guardiola was saying about, you know, he's getting praised because... City are winning, but when they, you know, but when he rotates and they lose, he'll get criticism. It's it's a bit like that. Like they, there's been plenty of times in this run, and I say run, it's basically been the last four months, where they've been, well, they well they've done stuff differently, but it doesn't matter because they've won. Like they weren't very good at Anfield, but nobody's asked in the first half. Sorry, they weren't very good at Anfield in the first half, but they won four one, so it was another masterclass. And obviously, it was a great second half performance and a huge win and a very just like just enjoyable win for City yeah. but like I don't know if something that had gone the other way then it would have been oh, overthinking it Foden, Foden false nine but people will find reasons to say it's overthinking even when there's not now look if he if he plays like Gundogan at right back or something then it's going to be like okay Pep you're not doing yourself any favours <laughs> yeah but I, I don't know yeah I mean to be honest to go back to your question of he's not been in his own head as much whether I agree with the wording of it or not or whether whatever I fundamentally do I think he's going to approach it in the same way as he did Leon no I would like to think it will will play more of City's game obviously yeah like I said I don't think they're going to be for chances left right and centre they won't be going gung-ho obviously but um, I think it might be a bit more like the Gladbach game but yeah well maybe he'll do something mad Here's my kind of feeling on it because of um, I, I agree with you on that. I think he'll he'll play similar to Gladbach, and the reason is is simply that it worked and it has been working for City this season. The reason, yeah. the, 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 the ultimately the, how he came to that decision against Leon to play the setup that he did was because he'd spent what eight months, nine months watching his team continue to struggle against various different problems, and yeah. like it, it's kind of like a culmination of those of. of Trying to find answers to the to solve those problems, he's not got those problems to solve this season. They've not been succumbing to the same issues that yeah, they were. Exactly. Like. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he's got no reason to think that what he's been doing in previous knockout games isn't going to work this time. No, uh, unless he and unless overthinking is the thing, 
and he and he does worry too much about even though there's not been many counterattacks to worry about recently unless he does but um you know that's that is a bridge to certainly cross if it happens to the extent that it might be worth an emergency podcast in the week do you know what i mean like if 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 so but this is this is probably the the bad thing about the media but if city were to win three nil we probably wouldn't have to do one and we could just talk about it after leeds or whatever or you know ahead of the second leg but it's just yeah because after leon it all like as soon as as soon as the final whistle went to Leon, it was like God, the Champions League quarterfinals next year will be interesting because what what is he going to do? So it it is going to be absolutely intriguing. And you know you know I don't buy into the overthinking narrative, um, but just like if there is something mad and City don't win, then I mean you're you're never at the end of it. Like, Leon was bad enough, but if if they do do something like that against Dortmund and go out, then you will never at the end of it. But um, that's that's far off. You know I'm. I don't know if it's just speaking to this uh, Dortmund reporter a minute ago or um, obviously I was thinking earlier on just after being at the Leicester game yesterday and speaking to Jack on the way out of the game like City just look good like they played like that against Leicester they could play like that against Dortmund and yeah I can I can see City, City getting through I'm more confident that City will get past Dortmund than I was maybe 48 hours ago yeah well, uh, I'm uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm quite nervous about this week. Dortmund leads Dortmund. Not uh, not a mouthwatering. It's a mouthwatering prospect for the neutral, I suspect, more than it is for uh, for, for me. Yeah, but. I was think I was thinking that as well. I'm actually really looking forward to it. But obviously, in, in I was I can't remember what point I was going to attach it to. But I was thinking, obviously, fans will um, they'll they'll be thinking about it differently. It's it's you know much tougher. Yeah, these are, these are games that you can only enjoy in retrospect. I think once once you know the, once you're through the other side safely, I think you can yeah, look back yeah, and enjoy yeah, them. But up until that, it's it's a bag of nerves, isn't it? Uh, right. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to an end for this week's Wire Whistles. Uh, I'm David Mooney. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much, mate, and thanks for to everyone for listening. Uh, you can sign up to the Athletic right now for three pounds ninety nine a month for six months. Just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic.